0: Are we not the best of some friends already? Only in media.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that has a list of everyone who wrote a The Stars Are Amazingly Healthy article and is going to be coming for you. All of you. Every single one of you. It's time to do some stargazing. Hey, Mark, how's it going?
0: Mm, My knees are fine, but my brain is not. Uh, It
1: was a, uh, of course, talking Friday morning right after the lovely overtime loss to the Colorado Avalanche. It's been it's been a week, Mark, I think, since the last time we spoke. Dallas has barely beaten a terrible team, has blown the absolute doors off a terrible team, has barely lost to a terrible team, and lost in overtime to a great team. So we've learned a ton, and I think we've grown as people. But uh, you know, we're going to talk about about all of it. We're going to talk about the the obvious Miro Heiskanen knee situation that's developing after the third period last night. We're going to talk about Scott Wedgwood, um, backup goaltender extraordinaire, um, tying in Jake Ottinger, as well some news on that front. And then I have some opinions about, of course, the consequential play in overtime and Dallas's decision to run at several points with three forwards as a unit out there. So there's some stuff and, and I'm sure Mark, you've got some, some zingers and some takes warming up on the old, uh, old take grill to, to get through in today's podcast. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be some good stuff. Really excited. Where,
0: where do you want to start? I'd say, I mean, everything that's foremost in everyone's mind is, is Miro Haskin and, and what this potentially means for the Dallas stars. I, I think that's a good place to start, and to to set
1: the stage a little bit, right? Friday morning, as of right now, we know that he went down in a heap with Scott Wedgwood. It appears to be, uh, I think the t- I don't I don't know that anybody has has directly said the word knee. But like it seems like it's a knee-related issue. Uh, as far as Deboer is concerned, we've got his quotes from after the game where it's basically they're they're evaluating. We don't right now, as of as of you know the time we're recording Friday morning, we don't know exactly what happened. We don't have a timeline. We don't we don't have anything to speculate on. We just know that he did not you know he left last night's game and did not return after that collision with Wedgwood. And I think you know the way that I want to address this is really for the stars i think that there is a short term you know situation and a long term situation right we're obviously going to hope for the best you know he's he's young he's spry guys go down sometimes it looks awful they pop right back up other times bad things happen so i think what i want to do for the sake of our discussions we're going to talk first about what the stars might do in the immediate term and then second is we will we're we're going to go to the, the the negative place and we're going to talk about what the stars might do if it turns out he's going to miss a significant chunk of time here down the stretch. So, you know, Mark, let's let's start with that with that near term. You know, Dallas has there. There is the the NHL schedule is unrelenting and they've got games coming up. They've got they've got a game tomorrow night against Nashville. Uh, Then they've got, uh, you know, Minnesota on Monday and again on Wednesday, Nashville on Friday. So they're, they're coming fast and they're coming furious. What do the stars do? Right now, regarding their defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to assume for for the sake of argument here that uh, Miro is probably lost to the team for for a, a, a handful of games. So it's it's the- really hard
1: to see him playing before Wednesday, right? Based yeah. on how it looked like even if even if everything is fine just going through the process of finding out that everything is fine it's really hard to see him on the ice monday against minnesota in in minnesota
0: yeah and and so really we're talking about what is the team going to do on saturday if miro's not available and what what you have you have texas is actually at home so this is a, this is not a bad thing we we have the Freeway that should be open. It should be weekend traffic.
1: So <laughs> which, Texas, which means it could take anywhere between 20 minutes and 20 hours to get correct. from Austin to
0: Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> there are helicopters and various things like that as well. If, if, if push comes to shove, but worst case scenario is the stars still have six defenders. Uh, they have some players who can fit various portions of the role that Miro Haskin in plays uh, with, with Dallas so particularly, you're probably talking about a call-up for either Derek Pouliot or uh, Alec Petrovic. Both of them are, are what you would consider to be you know, AHL, NHL guys. They both have over 250 NHL games under their belt. They do some things well, but they, they're in Texas for a reason, and so they'll be slightly uh, in the Joel Hanley category. So, so it's
1: you think you see it as one of those situations where everybody kind of bumps up and they're they're filling in spots down lineup versus spots on that that top pairing.
0: Right, exactly. And I, you know, to tell you the truth, I think this is probably a situation why uh, Gavin Bayruther was brought in, but yep. Bayruther went down after Game One, and so it's it's kind of next man up. And yeah, I so mean, I
1: think that's a great point. This is. This is exactly why you signed Gavin through in the offseason. this This moment in time is is what he is for. So that it's it's funny how, you know an injury in an AHL game fast forward several months, and all of a sudden that is a Dallas problem
0: right. And you can also take a look at at Leon Bixel's decision to go back to Sweden mm-hmm. and, and say maybe this is the spot where Bixel could have had his NHL debut. And, I mean, and do you so, really? You know, do you really think Jim Mill would have gone gone to that option? Um, I I think that he would have considered it. Um, if you're you're talking about somebody who's going to get uh, potentially limited minutes, who can still yeah. move the puck and and make an impact on the game. And so you know, based on the trajectory that I saw with Bixel in Texas, yeah, it would be a consideration. Yep. But it, it's certainly something that uh, Bixel's decision to go to Sweden has had some. In retrospect, was not a great decision in that Rugal kind of lost their whole identity right after he moved over there. His numbers haven't been really great in seven games since he's been there. And now he's kind of limited himself to being there for the rest of the year. So yeah. in retrospect, yeah, maybe he, he likes the decision, but there are some things that could have worked out better for him if he would have gone the other way.
1: Yeah, and I guess so
0: just talking about roster move, you mentioned, you know, a
1: couple of options down in Cedar Park. Do you we're we're kind of assuming that this is a lifeline to Nils Lundqvist, right? He's he's gotta tag back into the lineup at this stage, oh, yeah.
0: right? Yeah, and I think we saw what we're gonna see, which is you know, Essa Lindell's Time is going to jump dramatically. I wouldn't be yep. surprised if he completely eats up all of Haskinen's minutes. So you're Both. talking about a Lindell at uh, at 25 minutes a game. You're talking about Lindell paired with Suter, and Lindell's going to play as offside. So oh, I, I you know think that, that
1: any chance they just they just sl- slot Harley in next to Suter.
0: I doubt it. I, I I seriously doubt it. I mean, this is the way the third period was and there was some mixing there because we only had five defenders, but Lindell, Lindell has shown that he can play off on the offside. He periodically surprises you uh, with with his general abilities. I mean, this is a guy who was the best defender in Sweden for a year. There are some skills there, yeah. um, but you're still probably going to be talking about somebody who's going to clear the puck up the boards and it's slightly less, less easy to do if you're on your offside, but you can still rim it around from, uh, from playing a right D as opposed to a left D. So uh, if, if he sticks to form, he'll eat the minutes. And then I think, I think what you end up having is, I think you maybe get Harley moving up to play with Hawk and Paw. He's had experience playing with kind of larger stay-at-home defenders in the past and has done okay that way. Um, And and then you're going to see limited minute, uh, you know, we we always say, you know, Dallas, Dallas may has probably a little more depth than a lot of places. Um, I think you're going to see a really sheltered third pair with uh, with Lundqvist and and Hanley. Do do you think that
1: David Castillo's idea of moving Radek Fox back to the defensive core becomes any closer to a reality here? (laughs) (laughs) sorry i had to bring a little levity into the
0: conversation this is not a not a fun thing to discuss yeah i mean if if you want to take a look. you know losing somebody on defense is is kind of the worst case scenario here because all of these uh, all of these nice little trinkets and baubles that we've been enamored with uh, and and want to see come up from the AHL they're all forwards yeah <laughs> so it's like no no we don't want to we you know we don't want to see a defender come up and certainly not uh, certainly there's nobody anywhere who's going to replace Haskinen. so it's it, it's kind of all hands on deck and let's see what's happening how do you so, think
1: this changes Thomas Harley's profile?
0: And sorry, I, did, well, I, I,
1: I didn't mean to cut you off, Mark.
0: No, no. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think Harley has an opportunity here to prove that he is a a number one. Um, I don't think he's going to be given that opportunity initially, but I think he can play his way into it, and, and that's kind of the same same situation that Lundqvist is is going to be in. He's going to be given ice time. But he's going to have to earn the respect and the trust of the coaching staff um, in order to get more than just that, you know, rarely used third pair minutes that that he that I think he's probably going to get.
1: Yeah, and I can I can really see as well, like maybe even the mentality of you're not so much looking at this. Miro is he he's singular but he's singular because he's multiple right he is he is offensive and defensive and I think in this situation you don't necessarily look at replacing him one for one there's not it's not just you know one guy on the team that does everything Miro was doing I could see a situation where you know, you've already hit on it Lindell's gonna see a bump in his ice time he's gonna play a lot of those tough minutes and then I could potentially see like in terms of the power play you almost split Miro in two right and his his kind of offensive responsibilities as best best you can you distribute to Thomas Harley while his defensive responsibility is as best. You can you distribute to Esa Lindell. Right. And it's not, you know, hockey isn't football. Right. And it's not as simple as, well, you do this half and you do that half and we'll make up the difference. But I think, you know, cause you can't just, you know, we're not, we're not suddenly going to see Esa Lindell on the number one power play. Right. I think to your point, right. Harley probably slots in there. Um, maybe Ryan Suter, hopefully not. And then you know that then the second unit you know, maybe maybe that is Suter maybe it's you know Nils Lundqvist in some you know limited minutes. I don't think they'd go with a five forward look, but after last night, hey, brave new world, who knows? Uh, but I think in the short term, yeah, that's that's you know DeBoer and his coaching staff they have to find a way to take the minutes Miro was playing and you know what what was he averaging? Something like twenty five minutes a night?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And, so that's that's what so- you got to fill. Yep, Lindell's gonna Lindell's gonna move from from just under twenty to twenty five. My interest here, and this goes down a bit. This is actually a, an awkward situation for Joel Hanley because he's been playing this you know ideal seventh defender role, and he's been doing it for a couple years, and he's been doing it at a point when the stars have been extremely healthy on the back end. Yep, and so you're gonna see somebody like Pouliot come in. And if Pouliot can come in and show show a glimmer of offense while not sucking it up on defense, this is potentially a challenge to Hanley's role, which is kind of the great equalizer who's going to take offense and defense out of the game. If anybody yeah. who comes up from Cedar Park shows that they can bring something while not losing something, Han- Hanley could find himself back in cedar park as a result of this
1: yeah and, and conversely right maybe maybe there's more to his game and he's he's you know been kind of forced into this role and he has a chance to escape it it reminds me of my dad was a big college football guy and, and one of the jokes he would always make is the most popular player on a team is the backup quarterback right <laughs> and every everybody loves him up until the moment he has to play and then you remember he's the backup quarterback and, and i kind of feel like Joel Hanley may be in that same situation. You're right. He's he is a luxury as a, you know, number seven kind of flex defender. He can step in. He can make sure nothing happens in, you know, 12 to 14 minutes of ice time. And and that's really it. Well, all of a sudden you need more
0: than that. And well, yeah, and we and and we we saw last night with his minutes that, you know, even even with Haskin and going down, he played 11 minutes last night. And, and as much as the broadcast said that they were going to, he was going to pull into the normal rotation. He didn't. No, he didn't. It, I mean, you, you'd think at this stage,
1: right? Whether whether accurate or not, whether true or not, I would imagine that the coaching staff and the organization have a very clear picture of who they think he is, and you know, usage and and all of those things figured out. And and at the end of the day, right? If if he was the type of player that you were going to lean on in a late game situation against the Colorado Avalanche trying to defend the lead you you would have been doing that at some point over the past several seasons while he's been with the team right like yeah. he's had he's been here if he was that guy he would be that guy and the fact that he hasn't been that guy can kind of suggest to you how the team views him
0: yeah and, and to tell you the truth this you take a look at how how the organization has set up the texas stars this year and this is going to come out sounding wrong but it's kind of a shame this didn't happen last year yeah because last year the team had some depth in in cedar park you take a look ryan shea is 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 on an nhl roster ben gleason has spent time with the edmonton oilers there were guys who were right on the cusp down in cedar park on the defensive group who could have fallen in a lot easier than, uh, the, than, what we currently have. You know, the same, I think is true. And here, maybe we should transition. The same is true. I think with goaltender where you, you have a definite, you know, number two, who's played now 10 games in a row and you have a, a guy up from Cedar park, but he's been sitting on the bench yep. the entire time.
1: And, and I want to get to, I want to get to goaltending. We absolutely will because, oh boy, do I have thoughts. But be- before we do that, Mark, I do think I want briefly to, to wrap up the Haskin and conversation. We've been, we've been talking about what the stars are going to do tomorrow night. What if, and, and again, we don't want to will anything negative into the world, but you have to make this plan. If the injury turns out to be long-term. Do you feel, you know, the approach you outlined, does does your thinking about what the Stars will do slash should do, and those can be two very different things, does your thinking change if this turns into a significant injury?
0: I don't think it changes immediately. I think what what the team does is they roll with what they can. And the only way that that doesn't just happen and and continue to roll that way is if just absolutely tanks and and can't play at all, and you know that that's certainly a possibility, but I don't think it's a high probability. I think yeah. I think the stars maybe here are need to need to start viewing themselves for the next week or two as a team that's uh, you know on the cusp of sticking with uh, Winnipeg and Colorado on the top end. And and looking down at Nashville and Arizona and the various teams that they've gotten some distance from, but not a whole yeah, lot, lot six, of
1: six points up on Nashville with two games in hand, nine points up on Arizona, equal games in hand. So yeah, there's there is enough distance that you're not like concerned. But this this is this isn't the part of the horror movie where you're like running through the hallway. This is the part of the horror movie where all the kids are making popcorn and somebody's like, Hey, I left something in the car. And that that's kind of where the stars are right now. Like everything's fine. But if she decides but when, he needs yeah. to go outside.
0: <laughs> yeah. When when you notice after 15 minutes that they haven't come back yet, that's that, yeah. that's kind of the point where where you start tearing things apart. Really, that's that's where a lot of teams make bad decisions is yeah. by Taking a short-term problem and, and in fixing it, turning it into a long-term problem. And I don't think that's Jim Neal's modus operandi. No. But you know, if if we do get to the point where all of a sudden this is a Dallas Stars team that's you know in, in that kind of playoff bubble role as opposed to a in, but maybe not the number one seed in the conference or the division then you know, then you might have to make a more drastic decision but i i think that plays out over the matter of of a month if and here this is assuming that his injury is is in fact something that's going to on LT LTIR or something like that. There's yeah. there's various cap implications to all this. As yeah,
1: well. I mean the ca- so, that's that's yeah. the other bit, especially with um now that that Matt Murray is no longer an emergency recall, Dallas is back down to uh, twenty one thousand dollars in uh, projected cap space. Uh, so that that can't can't get much in today's NHL with twenty one k. Just gonna pull out there. I will say the the one thing I would say to challenge you, Mark, is. If this were a situation where there wasn't a pre-existing problem and he got hurt, I think that would very much be an argument for patience. However, this is a situation where the stars are bad, the stars are limited defensively, both in terms of what's on the ice and what's in the system, right? So there was a pre-existing problem even with Miro. So so the, the I guess the two things I'd say. The first is if it turns into an LTIR situation, you know, I think you almost have to make a move. Because that gives you, you know, eight point whatever, 8.45 is, is Miro's cap it, right? So if, if it's going to be long enough for him to go in LTIR, then it's going to be long enough that you weaponize that space and you get the help that you need. The second piece is, like I said, this is in my mind, this is, you know, the defense is a pre existing situation. If you were already planning on doing something, and I don't know what Nils thinking is. He may not be right. We've talked in this podcast. I think I've been on team patients before. Right? He may not be planning on doing anything. However, if you've been making the quiet calls, if you've been lining up your assets, if you've already been game planning, how you're going to fix this thing, I could see Miro's injury being a catalyst to do it now rather than later. Right. It's, hey, I was, I was going to do this anyways. You know, I was just, you know, I was going to do this in March. I might as well do it in February, right? I was going to yeah. do this in, in, you know, so if, if you already had, if you're already game planning options, and yeah, if the team doesn't miss a beat, right? And, and it's a pretty, you know, knock on wood, right? It's pretty, pretty favorable schedule. You know, the, um, we, we've, we've seen the Predators. They're not going to tax. They're five, four and one, which isn't bad. Minnesota's five, five and oh, they've, lost, Minnesota's lost four in a row. So like, if ever there was a time to to lose a guy you you've got you know the Kings on January 16th and in between its teams that you should beat arguably even without Miro Heiskanen right so you've got you do have a little bit of time to think but the one thing I'll say is if you'd already de- if if Jim Nill had already decided this this defensive core isn't the group that I need and I need to make a fix I could see this this injury being a catalyst say well I'm I'm going to go ahead and do it now because i need to figure this thing out and i don't want to wait until miro comes back see what miro is when he gets back and then make my decision right just maybe one is i'm going to do one thing at a time i'm going to make that call then we're going to get miro back and then we're going to you know advance
0: yeah i mean it's certainly possible it 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 Means that you're negotiating those deals uh, out of out of necessity as opposed to a position of strength. I just think you're doing that anyways, right?
1: Everybody knows what the Stars' defensive core is. There's no situation this season when they're negotiating for a defensive help from a position of strength. It may be worse. Well,
0: I mean, trade trade deadline trade deadline. You know, you get late enough in the trade deadline. You know, Nil has shown that he has the ability to. You aren't talking about a number one defender you're probably talking about a second pair defender at best and and if you if you get somebody you're going to have more teams at the trade deadline that are definitive sellers and at this point who's a definitive seller you probably have half the list that you will at the trade deadline right now because some teams are still in this you know wait and see mode and if they get on a heater then maybe they aren't a seller uh, come february march I could see that you, maybe you wait, if, if the option you want, if
1: just because it's a name that's floated, right. Maybe you wait, you want to see if things get worse in Calgary, right. What does that do to Chris Tanev?
0: Right, right. Exactly. But what happens, you know, teams are also going to take a look at at Edmonton and say, yeah, Edmonton's now on a heater. And so, you know, a month ago we would have said they were definitely going to be sellers and now they're back in the playoff race. Yeah. You know, this is still kind of early there. There's still the stories popping around about who's going to be the next St. Louis, you know, last to first, win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, you're going to have to be pretty much thinking that you're dead uh, in order to do it, and yet you kind of have to be dead with some expiring assets. You know, people are going to be UFAs where you're just starting your rebuild, and a lot of the teams that have taken themselves out of the playoff hunt at this point are teams that are already in the rebuild, and so there just aren't that many assets that are that are available. I Certainly think not ones that are going to move the needle. It. Anyway, let's uh let let's, let's kind of move on to uh to our. Missing All-Star goaltender and his uh, <laughs> admirable backup.
1: Yeah, we're going to turn that into a teaser. We'll we'll take a very brief break and and let KT build an ad break, and then, yet, like I said, we'll come back and talk about Dallas's goaltending situation. All right, so Mark, I, I want to start the goaltending conversation with an apologies. I do not have the exact timestamp, but with Dallas clinging to a one goal lead last night, uh, Scott Wedgewood, flat on his face, made a tremendous glove save to keep the uh, to keep the game tied. And I think even a uh, Razor's comment I thought was was particularly on point as it always is, but he he said something to the effect of it wasn't the save that he intended to make, but he he got the result he was looking for. And for me what th- that's kind of an encapsulation of what the last you know 10ish games have been and who Scott Wedgwood is as a goaltender because that was a it was a battling save by a goaltender that had every reason to get scored on right he was he was you know prone and and out and you know he had to had to do something really impressive to keep the puck out of the net however the reason that he had to make that fantastic save was because on an earlier chance, the the chance that brought him to the ice in the first place, as he's trying to deal with that save, he blockered his rebound basically dead center between the face off dots and, and kind of created his own mess. And, and I think to me, we we've used words like battler. We've used words like effort. We've talked about kind of how Scott Wedgwood looks in the crease. I think that what we're seeing and file this under, you know, a tough conversation about Scott Wedgwood. Frankly, I think what we're seeing is why he's a number two instead of a number one. And some of the traits, you know, not not consistency necessarily, but like he he his struggles at times with rebounds, the game that they needed, you know, overtime to beat Chicago. That game is close because at least two of the two of the Blackhawk goals were pucks that kind of hit Wedgwood and bounced. Hither and yon, right? He seems to be a guy that that has that mentality of I'm going to stop the puck, and then I'm going to figure out everything after that. So I I think we're starting to see some of some of the downsides, right? Like we're we're starting to see some of why he is where he is versus legitimately pushing, and um, it's it's hurt the stars a little bit over this last
0: stretch. Yeah, I I think you know you're bound to see some regression to the mean here, and I think we're seeing a bit of that, he came, he, he came in after the injury and was the best version of himself that he could be and and just hasn't been able to maintain it. And so now you're seeing that the save percentage is, uh, is a little south of 90% and the goals against average is slightly over three. And these are the kind of numbers that you're going to see from a, from a definite number two. And the stars, unfortunately, don't have the defensive unit, certainly not now, Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, that is going to be able to make up for that. Um, and so other than, you know, there, there's this great psychological uh, thing where people step up when things first happen, but then you have to get into your normal routine and, and you just can't maintain that. If you could maintain that, you'd be better than you are. So that's, I think, where we're getting with, with Wedgwood. And you can kind of see, there, you know, one of the issues that we're going to see that comes up all over the place here, we've already talked about it with Lundqvist, uh, is trust. And there are players that are in this system that are not trusted at the NHL level. And Matt Murray is definitely not trusted. And yeah, so Wedgwood has 10 games in a row. I think that it, this, this is a record. Do you, do you remember what the what the number was before or if this is a number of starts in a row record for him? Oh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think this came up on a broadcast a, a time or two ago. I think his previous one was maybe seven or eight. So he's he's in uncharted territory here with number of starts in a yeah. row.
1: And to give it a little bit of context, right? So and this is just one statistic, but I think it frames the conversation we're talking about. If you check Money Puck, they have a goal saved above expected, right? Where they just look at leave at, they they look at league average and a bunch of things. Well, what's the league average, right? What would what would that be? And what are you giving up? And and right now, Wedgewood is nestled between Jonas Johansson for the Bolts and Stuart Skinner for the Edmonton Oilers, with a negative seven point three goals saved above what's expected, right? So a, an average goaltender. The the mythical average goaltender, right? The Mendoza line guy would be saving seven point three more goals than what we're getting out of of Scott Wedgewood right now. So he's you know the other other guys in his general vicinity: James Reimer, Anti Ranta, Anton Forsberg, you know Arvid Soderblom, Philip Grubauer. Uh, surprisingly, U C Soros. This isn't to to take a flamethrower to the guy. I think what we're seeing is the last you know four games this week are instructive. Is is Scott Wedgwood good enough to win with? Yeah, he, I think he is. He begin Again, because he battles, he will make that second save. Is he occasionally going to keep a team like Chicago in the game? Yes. Is he occasionally going to cost you a result against Montreal? Not, not by himself, right? The offense didn't do him any favors until the last minute of that game, right? But you're going to see, you know, is, is he going to be the guy that can keep the wall up as Colorado kind of hellbent for leather tries to tie and win a game, right? So this this is what the stars have. And and I think on the one hand there are limits and it is disappointing to see a two-goal lead against the Avalanche get frittered away and, and there's certainly other things going on. On the other hand, right, they've they've consistently been picking up points are so the third best team in the conference, right? They're they're hanging with Colorado until overtime. So it's, it's not like he is submarining their chances or anything, but I think we are very, very eagerly awaiting positive news on Jake Ottinger.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the team is too. And, and at this point with, with Ottinger back on the ice, you, you have to kind of think that maybe we aren't going to see Matt Murray at all. Um,
1: you would which... think that Montreal, if, if they were going to
0: play him, wouldn't it have been Montreal? or or Chicago they really had 3 games in a row where where he could have seen the ice so yeah i don't know you know his his one his one nhl win is actually against chicago so that that i thought was just the ideal time to put him in but but no and so at this point you know you have games every other every other day up until next weekend i think we have what a friday saturday back to back Oh, yeah, I mean, if, if, do you if, send
1: if, do you send Murray down and play Poirier? right? Well,
0: that's that that's kind of something I, I I threw that out on on Twitter the other day. You know, you, you almost need to get him a conditioning assignment because Poirier's been playing every game down uh, down in Cedar Park, and uh, unfortunately, here you know the back to back for Dallas is going to match up with a back to back for Texas because Texas is at home, but they're in this weird little. Uh, weird little AHL type deal where they don't play at all during the week, but then they go back to back on the weekend. Yeah. So, I, you know, Poirier, Poirier has absolutely no NHL experience. So that would, that would show Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what that would mean as far as trust of anybody. Yeah. You certainly can't trust somebody who, who you've brought up and sat on their butt in the, in the reserve spot on the bench for, and a half three weeks
1: yeah no i mean it'd be it'd be a tough spot you know you you would think that like one of the chicago games or montreal would have been a great time to get him in at at the same time if you're the stars and if you think ottinger's coming back and by the way the health update there is apparently he's now graduated to day to day from week to week so nothing is imminent or announced but he seems to be progressing fine but I, i could also see the mentality of the stars as well We'll just, we've got a bunch of cream puffs followed by the avalanche. Let's just ride, you know, let's just ride Wedgwood and hope that we get Ottinger back before it turns into a thing. The baseball analogy, right? Let's see if this guy can get through the lineup one more time. It's the Lindy
0: rough team of old. Let's score our way out of all our problems. They came pretty close to doing it last night. And yeah. Then, and, and to tell you the truth, I mean, that Montreal game was, was kind of an anomaly. If you take yeah. a look at the, the expected goal difference there, Including, of course, that barrage at the end, but the stars were consistently getting chances, they just weren't putting them at. And scoring a lot of goals is a good way to make your team look good.
1: It it was interesting. Well, it's how you maintain the record you maintain with the goaltending you're getting, even even Andrew, before he went out. It, It reminds me as well, Mark, we were talking about this in the pre call about the kind of negativeness of stars fandom. And I think that it's, it's in my mind, it's almost like we as fans are in this transition stage. You know, we used to be at a point where the team wasn't very good, right? We're coming out of, we're coming out of bankruptcy and then we only had one line and then we didn't have a goaltender. There's always, there was always something. So like moral victories, we, you know, we, we led the, t- we led the league in moral wins. Right. And, and <laughs> it, and so you could weather the, uh, you just sort of shrugs. Yeah, of course they got goalied again. They always get goalied, right. It's going to happen. Oh no, we're, we're playing somebody's e-bug of course, shut out. Right. But. Well, I mean,
0: we we, 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 we forget, but there was a certain point where we were the ones who were goaling people and, you know, take a look at the career stats for Kari Letton and, and, you know, pre-injury of course, yeah. but you know, the stars were that perennial team that you hated we're tough to play against and and we got a goaltender who's going to stand on on his head and steal one from you and now now we're kind of the big dog on the block and so people are looking to do that to to the Dallas Stars yeah
1: it's it's I agree it's it's a but but and we've got that so we've got all that baggage and now the team is good right and good teams like tampa bay right they'll go entire months without looking particularly good vasilevsky started the season terribly and bolt's fans just like yeah he'll pick it up doesn't it doesn't matter we'll get to the postseason everything will be fine they may be wrong about that but they, they've got it's almost like you have to have like good team calluses built up on your fandom so that you can look at a result you're going to look at a result like montreal and you're either going to look at it and say, well, this this validates everything I've ever worried about, and we're terrible, and it's over. Or you're going to look at it and say, 82-game season, weird stuff happens, backup goaltender, it's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, stars, stars fans, at the first sign of of, of a crack, they're going to want to tear the whole building down. Yep. Yeah.
1: So I think we're seeing we're seeing that in the fans' reaction, right? And I mean, you know, check back in a month, and I, I think there there's also this notion of we we want our team to be the best, when in reality we're probably a you know half tier beneath the best, and and that's a great place to be considering the last decade or so of stars fandom. But there's there's still that like, you know, our measuring sticks as fans have changed from you know the middle of the pack to vegas and to colorado and to teams of won cups and when you look at it through that lens you you worry about a single game like montreal when in reality like it's fine right they they what they dropped uh, over the last you know what four games they dropped what two point three points that's that's yeah. a that's a fu- that pace will get you into the show if radic foxa <laughs> we talked about talked about if ifs and ands last podcast right if he hits the empty net last night we're mm-hmm. having a much different conversation and yep. that's and and it's it's difficult in the moment to maintain that perspective but really that's the perspective you need right they were they were he shot a foot wide right and if he scores that then they've knocked off colorado in regulation despite losing their best defender and hey wow
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, you know, but then this is hockey, and, and that's that's kind of the weird thing, and it's it's the thing I always have to come back to, is that of, of all the major sports that we have in the United States, hockey is the one where randomness, if you will, uh, plays the biggest role. Um, you know, the, there's there's matters of inches. You know, what what what's the difference between hitting the pipe and going bar down? It's a millimeter. Stuff happens, especially over an 82 game game season, where you can't really set your team up to play each individual opponent uh, with your strengths against their weaknesses. You, you roll it out there, you hope for the breaks, and your raw talent will get you into the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, the real thing starts. Yeah.
1: The only thing to worry about, in fact, you maybe don't want to finish first because that might be Edmonton. So, uh, you know, before we get out of here, though, I did want to bring up and sorry, anything else on the goaltending, anything else on fandom before I. Well, I, I,
0: I think we do have to recognize what's going on with the Central Division and goaltenders. And Jake Ottinger, bless his heart, is our all star for the Dallas Stars. And how did that happen?
1: I mean, that part, I think it's less. So, I think there's a couple different things, right? I think that Jake Ottinger is our all-star because there have been kind of superfluous performances in the division at the forward and defensive positions, right? So Miro hasn't quite been what we hoped he'd be this season, um, statistically, certainly. The top line, same thing, right? Despite a hot start, the, the bin unit has cooled down you could make the case that, you know, Dushane or Sagan deserves, uh, deserves that nod. So it's, it's, to me, it's one of those, like there are guys in the division at the forward and defensive positions that are statistically ahead of what the stars have. And since every team gets a representative, you know, Ottinger has the cachet of, of a couple of fantastic playoff runs. He started the season like gangbusters. He's been hurt lately. So our view of him is, is skewed very positive. There are guys taking the slots elsewhere, so you know. Just for one example, right? Despite Duchene is having a fantastic season, Nathan McKinnon's probably an MVP candidate, right? So you can see how, looking at each individual position, how it wasn't necessarily a guy from the stars. And then you get to goaltending, and and it's been. I just pointed. You know, Soros hasn't been great. You know, Chicago's a garbage fire. Uh, you know, kind of looking, looking elsewhere in the division. Like, I guess, you know, Connor Halibuck,
0: right? He's, yeah, he's the obvious, uh, obvious choice there. I mean, you can't go with Georgiev because, uh, because McKinnon, you know, he, even though he's leading the league in wins, his numbers aren't all that good. The kid up in Minnesota has been pretty good, but uh, I, you know, what are you, you're not going to leave. Who is it? Kaprizov, I would, I would guess. Yeah. Don't he's been better city. lately as well, I think. Yeah, but even even reputation-wise, know yeah, that's yeah. that's probably the guy you're going to take from Minnesota. I, I'm actually a little surprised it wasn't you know Joe Pavelski. Yeah, I think, think if he'd been doing more at even strength. Yeah, but you th- you think they look at it that close? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, Maybe it's because has- the, the per- again it's a perception thing. Is as, as good as you know it's it's the Jason Robertson conundrum. The guy is on a, a, a point per game pace which is a 20-ish point drop from where he was last. You know, he's, he's pacing to 25 goals. He scored 40 last season. So it's it's the whole like, yeah, yes, absolutely. He's had, I think it's 10 points in a seven-game scoring streak. But we kind of expected him to have 15 points in that seven-game streak. So we look at it a little bit differently, fair or not.
0: I have a cartoon I keep by my desk. It's about an employee evaluation and and in one frame, uh, the employee goes. I donated a kidney to a customer, and and the boss says, "I noted that under attendance problem." So, know <laughs> <laughs> uh, expectations are everything.
1: I love that. Yeah, and then just looking at the rest, like okay, so if if I think the league stated that every team gets a representative, right? So you you sure you sure can't bring the goaltenders from Chicago, St. Louis, Minnesota, right? They haven't been any good. Oh, Soros come make, on, you
0: can bring uh, Bennington. <laughs> the baby. goaltender the All Star game deserves.
1: Anyway, all, all I'm saying is I I can see how. If, if this was strictly a merit-based conversation, I think that you would take somebody else from the stars. You might, heck you might take Miro. Uh, it'd be, it'd be Miro or DeShane for my money. If we're, if we're yeah. strictly talking about effort or honestly, Hins because hence is the best player on the Dallas stars, but yeah,
0: he's not going to go because of that.
1: But yeah, when you factor in like the logistics of well, no, everybody gets one, then it's like, okay, well then that's Ottinger is the most, he is the most better. I think, well, he's the most better
0: star compared to his division. Don't you think you could have just taken Ryan Suter and be done with it?
1: <laughs> Can you imagine to just just like what what do you think? You're in the, you're in the discord, you're on the, you know, you're 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 in the socials. What does stars fandom do with the <laughs> Ryan Suter <laughs> NHL all-star year of our Lord 2024 announcement?
0: They they just roll with it and start come up with the narrative about how Suter's been carrying Haskin in all year.
1: You know, he might have, he might have to down the stretch buckle up, baby 25 minute a night, Ryan Suter incoming. <laughs> all right. I, oh. I want to talk about one kind of interesting thing. One more interesting thing before we go. And I want to preface this by saying that it definitely got them killed in overtime because to me, and, and this is, I, I come not to bury Tyler Sagan, but to praise him. The play that he didn't make along the wall leading to Colorado's two on 0 winner last night in overtime. Uh, we were talking about this in, in the hockey slack last night. To me, this is w- whenever people talk about whenever, whenever blowhards like Castillo talk about just converting a forward to defense, right? This is why David is wrong. Because there is there is a the way that you play defense is different forward versus defense. And the primary reason it's different is when you're a forward, you know that there's somebody behind you. So the decisions that you make, the things that you do, it is an acceptable outcome to lunge for that puck. Risking getting behind you because you are well into the offensive zone and you're trained, you know, your your life experience tells you you've got somebody over your shoulder. That's that's going to turn that into a turnover. You know what I mean? Like it's probably, you know, more often than not, Tyler Sagan makes that pinch gets beat and his covering defender. Just keeps the puck deep in the zone, right? Or starts his way back now situationally three on three. It turns a, a bunch of things went wrong in that instance, but I don't think he made a—I I don't think that it was a mistake so much as a player the in read. an uncomfortable situation.
0: Yeah, he, he, he makes the standard read as opposed to the three-on-three three read, and that that's why, that's why you really need to practice three-on-three three yeah. because your reads are different.
1: Yeah, their reads are different, and as well the reads of the other players on the ice, right? A defenseman on the ice— might very well have had a different because I think at the time it was uh, was it it was Sagan, Henson, Deshane, or oh, sorry, Robertson. Um, so it yeah. was three forward sets. And you know, the other bit is a defenseman very possibly looks at that play developing and thinks, Oh, my forward's about to do something silly, right? I'm he is trained to attack that puck, I am trained to provide cover. I'm going to go ahead and slide back into the neutral zone and at least make this a two on one, yeah. Instead, you know- forwards are you know, forwards are attack, attack, attack.
0: The three forward thing, yeah, you could probably work it if you if you practice it enough. And maybe the stars have been practicing it. I don't know. The I, thing I, that I they, thought was really weird here was that when Thomas Harley was on the ice, they didn't have him guarding uh, guarding McKinnon. And maybe it's
1: a trust thing. Well,
0: well, it, kid it could isn't very that, well be, but, but no, it's, it's like. Yeah. You would think that you would take your defender, your defender, if you're going to go as traditional two forward, one defender, and you would put that defender on the number one offensive threat. And and the Stars didn't even do that. Yeah. So I, I I had some questions about the whole strategy for what we did. I mean, I will say the part of it that
1: I liked is I I think that Going with a three forward set, especially if Miro is out for this roster, makes a ton of sense because who else are you going to put out there? We we saw we saw glimpses of Esselindel on the ice in overtime. And and you know, this isn't again, I'm not I'm not here to to take a torch to that guy either, but that's not it's not his, has
0: scored overtime winners He he
1: sure has right a uh, lot lots of guys have that doesn't mean that doesn't mean i want them doing it today right now um so all, all i'm saying is i think with with dallas's personnel for all of the complaining we've done sometimes about nhl coaching orthodoxy and their you know refusal to innovate or experiment i thought i mean if, if um if matt de gets a, gets a very you know puts the puck into an empty net much much like the Roddick Fox empty net goal or, or empty net, or, or
0: or doesn't catch a major slash across the wrist as he's as he's going in.
1: Yep. Yeah. So there's a situation where we're talking about last night and saying, "Hey, De reacted beautifully to a sudden change in his available talent." But yeah, if 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 we're looking at a team sans Miro Heiskanen for an extended stretch, I think in overtime, you one you you hope you don't play a ton of it, but I, I think you have to look at more Harley and three forward sets as the right, you know, the right configuration, Um, because otherwise, you know, it's pretty clear the team, potentially rightfully so, not necessarily a mistake, but, you know, the team probably doesn't have enough trust in those lundquist to throw him out there in overtime. And then you've got what, you know, Suter, Lindell, Hockenpah, Hanley. And I challenge you, Mark, what would you, what would you think, you know, if you're if you're running the Stars bench, right? Who would you send? Who would you rather send over with Tyler Sagan and Jason Robertson, right? Would you rather send over Hints or Duchesne, or would you rather send over and pa or Hanley?
0: I'm gonna send over the guy who recognizes that puck possession is everything, and that unless you have a extremely high percentage chance of scoring, you should you should back it out and maintain possession. Yeah. And especially with this team where you have so many guys who are awesome at the shootout, the worst-case scenario you should have out of this is that is that you don't win it in overtime and you go to the shootout where you have a fighting chance. And in this case, I would say probably at least a two-thirds, three-quarters chance of winning it in a shootout. So the, my my take on it is that I have no problem with throwing Essa Lindell over, over the boards in overtime as long as what you tell essa is that he, what he needs to do is just control the puck and make sure that the other team never gets it yeah i see that i counter i mean it's have, not fun it, it's, it's not fun no that's how you win this that's how you win this thing the games are different no you know, you're it's right it's a 3 on how, 3 game and i think that's how
1: an nhl coach thinks the counter argument i would make that any nhl coach in the league would laugh me out of out of the room is it's also about chance creation. And it's also about a certain amount of puck luck and randomness. And there, there could be a benefit in you know, put three high end players out there and see what they can create. It's position. It's three on three is positionless enough. Anyways. I, I wonder, I, I wonder what a, you know, you know, I, I think Duchesne hints and Sagan or just say, hints and Roberts under Duchesne hints and, you know, another facilitator. I think there's a lot there.
0: Uh, all I can say is I think if, if you if you gave me Steele, Foxa and Lindell and and I was allowed to coach them to play three on three the way I want them to play, they would get more points than anything that you do. Interesting,
1: that is that is fascinating. I don't I don't even necessarily disagree, but I'd sure I'd sure like to see somebody try.
0: There there would be riots in the streets and people would wonder what you were doing. All you would do is make it to the shootout, and then you know, Duchesne and Sagan and Pavelski and Robertson and all these guys who who score at a at a forty to fifty percent shootout rate would, would just come in and and destroy the other teams. I mean that is that
1: is the strategy. You have you have invented the overtime turtle, Mark. <laughs> and, and my God. Look, look upon, look, look at what we have wrought on this podcast today. You, you, have, you have turned three on three into a turtle situation, but yet I think you're right. Like that's the two approaches, right? Do you try and win or do you play keep away and and wait for the shootout?
0: But it's a turtle in the offensive zone. So it's not truly a turtle. It's
1: a turtle's A a turtle is a (laughs) turtle.
0: Turtles all the way down, Mark. Turtles all the way down. All right. Well, that, that sounds like my hot take for the month. So, you know I'm, i have yes, no yeah. more
1: we're we're, we're taked out I, I can't i can't <laughs> even oh, all right well thank you as well, thank you for that just for that alone the, the the previous 50 minutes plus was also great but that's that's really i think the moment that i want to thank you for uh kt how you edit this into something coherent will be your your masterpiece listeners that stuck around this long bless you we love you we we'll be sorry it's yeah. Yeah, we're, also we're sorry <laughs> it's it's been a heck of a podcast like it download it you know listen to it don't hold us to it don't hold us to it and uh, we'll see what happens i guess